everyone, it's Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode 5 of the Speaking Club podcast. Let's get our storytelling on. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Storytelling Skills Part 1. And there is so much to storytelling. There is definitely going to have to be more episodes to cover it all. But I thought the best place to start was to talk through why I believe stories are a critical tool for your speaking and business success. And that means going back to the beginning. Since the dawn of humankind, storytelling and humour have been an intrinsic part of our societies and culture, and their influence is as strong today as it was back when a good Saturday night's entertainment was spent round a campfire looking at cave painting stories and grunting at each other. And then we got language. But before we had the written word, we had to rely on our memories, and that made listening skills really important. And back then, a good storyteller was always respected because it's much easier to remember important things if they have context, relevance, emotion and excitement attached. So back then, if you weren't built like a brick poo house and were able to bash the competition, then becoming a storyteller was an alternative route to power and influence. And back then, good storytellers became prophets, jesters, judges, and even kings because they could easily find an audience eager to devour every exciting bit of information. And then those stories would get shared and the storytellers' power, influence, and reputation would grow exponentially. But today, great storytellers, especially ones that can make us smile, have got the same opportunities to successfully grow their brand, their authority, uh, career or business. And that's because we all still crave stories. They allow us to live vicariously through the hero and we can relate to the characters, the plot and the lessons learned. And I truly believe if you can tell your audience or potential customer a story, then you'll gain their support and it'll help you to start building your tribe and get them to pay attention. There's another reason, though, why stories are so, so important, and that's because they create that emotional connection between your audience or customer and your product or idea or whatever it is that your message is talking about. And they can be used to break down and rebuild beliefs. Let me give you an example. Have you ever found a product or idea or hobby that you've fallen in love with and you're totally convinced it's the best thing since sliced bread? And then you've gone out and told someone, let's say it's a friend or family member, and they just haven't got it. And no matter how many great benefits you tell them about, Not only do they not get excited, but they actually start finding fault with your discovery. And if you you think back, you'll remember 
there was a reason you got excited about that thing in the first place. When you heard about it, you had what Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels calls an epiphany, an aha moment. And you had an emotional response that sold you on that new thing. And then you thought, wow, this is so cool. And you went off and you found out as much as you could about it. You learned all the other stuff, the language, the you know, maybe you got all the tech and the gadge to go with it. And you got sold on it logically at that point. So then you went out to share it with people, but you tried to convince them logically and they became resistant. And you probably started to speak what they call techno babble, which is the number one sales killer. And I was terrible at this years ago before I knew all about this stuff. I was so guilty of doing this. I used to do some network marketing and the product was brilliant. I was a customer myself and I still am actually. And to me, it was a no brainer for people to switch to the services the company was offering. But I was so passionate and eager to tell them all the benefits that I completely overwhelmed potential customers and turned them off. And someone once said to me, Sarah, you sold it and then you bought it back again. And since then, you know, they say you need to develop your, your weaknesses. So I, since then, I've studied selling, I have storytelling and influencing extensively. And now I completely understand what happened and why it happened. The bottom line is people won't buy from you or make a change unless you speak to their underlying pain point, which I talked about in episode three. And also the most important thing that they experience the same emotional epiphany that you had and all the logic, the features and the benefits you give them before they have that epiphany will just annoy them. So if you want people to adopt a new concept or buy your stuff and you, you want to get their buy-in to change or whatever it is, you have to lead them to the answer, but you can't give it to them. Now, if you can tell a story to them about how you got your big aha moment and you structure it right, then you can create for them the same epiphany. And it's then that they sell themselves on the idea. The decision becomes theirs, not yours. Now, creating a story to get them to have the same emotional reaction is what Russell Brunson discusses quite a lot, actually, in his book called Expert Secrets. And he calls it building an epiphany bridge. And it basically, it's a bridge from where you are on the other side of that sort of aha moment and understanding all of the benefits and the, and the emotional stuff and from where they are, which is that hasn't happened yet. So it helps them to get to where you are. So an epiphany bridge. And it's a brilliant tool for speakers, for managers or leaders in, in business to use to help people buy your stuff, buy your concept, join your tribe, get employees to buy into change and also to manage objections. Because what generally tends to happen is people have that aha moment, that epiphany, and then straight after all the sort of doubts kick in and they tend to sort of say, oh, I can see that it's brilliant, but it won't work for me because I haven't got the technical skills or I'm too old or I'm too young or I haven't got the time. You, you, you've heard it before, but if you, if you can build stories into your talk or presentation or whatever it is, your, your copy, then you can address those objections 
you create that epiphany moment at the start, the bridge, and then address those objections with more stories. It's really, really an important tool to use. So I wanted to give you today the essential ingredients to stories. But before that, I want to take a step back and just to say to you that before you even consider what stories to tell, you need to be really clear on the reason you're telling them in the first place. And that's why I created my Speak framework. Speak is an acronym for a framework which asks you lots of questions to get your strategy and message clear. So the S in Speak stands for strategy. And the question it asks is what the purpose of your message is. So why are you giving this message out while you're giving this speech is it to you know to convince people of a new idea and to make some behavioral change or thinking change or do you want them to buy your course or product or or you know buy into a company change but before you even start you need to be clear on what is the purpose then the p in speak stands for problem and solution so there you're thinking about what problem are you solving and what solution are you presenting to people? And this is where you can use those five whys I talked about in episode three to really get under the surface of what people say they want to find out what is really their pain point. So if you remember there, I think it was um, he wanted to grow his business, in, but it was because actually he wanted to have more freedom, spend more time with his family. So, you know, think about the problem you're solving and the solution that you're presenting and then the next uh, letter E stands for endpoint. What do you want your audience or the people who are reading your copy or email, newsletter, whatever it is, what do you want them to think, feel, say and do at the end? So by the time you finish talking, by the time they finish reading it, what action do you want them to take? What do you want them to think, etc., etc. And then the A stands for audience. Now, if you're a speaker in a corporate environment, you need to be thinking about, is there any political sensitivities that I should steer away from? Any successes I should really be up in my talk or, you know, failures to keep away from? And also you need to be thinking about where your audience actually are in relation to the problem that you're solving and any other demographic graphics or anything that's sort of is important to the way you position your message to them. And finally, having done all those things and asked all those questions, you get to the K, which stands for kernel. And this for me is where you bring everything together and you create a one sentence summary of your message based on the problem and the solution and thinking about all those other things. And from there, you create your message or build your presentation around that kernel sentence. Good. Well, I think we can now move on if you've been through that process, then you'll be ready to move on and we can look at what are the essential ingredients to a great story. Right, so any story, whether it's a book, a play, a film, or a TV advert, a presentation, or a testimonial, must have four essential ingredients. First of all, they need to have a character. And this can also be known as the hero or the protagonist. Then that character needs to have a desire something that they want to get or to achieve or have, whatever. And then there's the conflict. There needs to be a thing or person that the protagonist or hero must vanquish in order to, in order to achieve their goal. And this could be like a typical villain, you know, like a Bond villain, but it could also be a shark like in Jaws or a storm or something inside the hero. 
And lastly, there needs to be a journey, a journey of discovery and achievement. But let's have a look at each of these in turn. So first of all, the character. Now, the key objective of your character is that you want your audience to relate to them. Because as I said before, we experience the story through the hero. And to achieve this, there are a number of different ways uh, you can present your hero. And in some senses, I guess it depends on if it's a real life story, that might their, their story might dictate how they get presented to your audience. But here, here are the different ways. You can have them be a victim, in which case your audience will be cheering them on and, and feel sympathy. They can be in trouble or, you know, like the sort of jeopardy. Sometimes movies start with the hero being in trouble and then sort of track backwards to start the story. But in this instance, the audience will be worrying about them and feel empathy. They can be likable, someone that the audience would want to be their friend and support. They could be funny and that's someone we'd want to have a beer with probably. Or they can be powerful and then the audience will identify with them in, in the, because they want to be them. But one thing the hero, in whatever way you present them, must have is some kind of internal flaw. Let me give you some examples of what I mean. They could put work ahead of family. They could be scared to let anyone close. They don't believe in themselves. Perhaps they don't stand up for themselves. They could be selfish. They could be stuck in kid mode. They won't grow up. Perhaps they're scared of taking a risk or they're too uptight. Perhaps the opposite is true. They take too many risks or they're cynical, lost faith. They're stuck in the past or they couldn't make a decision. But that's enough about me. That was a joke. But anyone who's listening and knows me is probably thinking, I'm not so sure, Sarah. Are you sure it was a joke? Anyway, moving on. Obviously, there's loads of options for what that flaw could be. Uh, so that's your character. And in your talks and presentations, this could be you or a business that you worked with or one of your clients, perhaps if you're a coach or something. And now we can move on to the desire. Now, the hero must have a goal a desire for something more. And like most of us, probably this will fall into one of two camps. Most people are either moving towards pleasure or away from pain. And there's a couple of core desires that fall into each of these camps. For pleasure, the hero will either be wanting to win someone's love money or status and you can think about every rom-com you've ever seen there films like kind of jerry Maguire, rocky and so on or they could be needing to get something or someone and bring it back think indiana jones here or uh, finding nemo his dad has got to rescue nemo and the other two that are moving away from pain are number one to actually escape from pain think about the the great escape earthquake and so on or the other thing is to stop something bad from happening. And that's your, if you're thinking again in films, it's like Independence Day or any serial killer film, you're trying to stop more people from getting hurt or Men in Black. There, there's some examples. And again, in a, in a business or speaking context, the desire could be better sales figures or a more efficient process. Or if it's an individual level, you know, you see lots of speakers talking about climbing Everest or perhaps someone you know, wants to learn to walk again. So those could be the sorts of desires at the individual level in real life, I guess. And then 
we move on to the conflict. Now, Alfred Hitchcock apparently said, the more successful the villain, the more successful the movie. Now, if you think about Darth Vader, uh, World War II is a villain that's been in lots of movies. Every Bond villain, and even in Hitchcock's films, the big uh, villains, Norman Bates in Psycho and the Birds, also in the film of the same name. And I think I'm showing my age with all of that, those examples, actually. But storytellers need to create emotion, excitement and tension. And the conflict is where all of this comes from. And conflict in a sort of screenwriting or, you know, in, in this context too, is often considered to be the sum total of all the obstacles and challenges that the hero has to face in order to achieve his goal. And they need to be, you know, quite big things. They need to be seen quite insurmountable because if it doesn't look like much of a challenge, then the audience isn't going to care very much. And it's important to say that all of the challenges may not be external. Often the biggest ones will be related to the flaw that the character has. Think Hamlet and his indecision. If you don't know Shakespeare's Hamlet, to suffice to say he's one of the biggest procrastinators ever. To be or not to be, that was the question that led to a very long but smashing play. Now, if we looked at this again in a business or speaking context, then the conflict could be um, a, a group of employees resistant to change or teams not working together or the market's changed, all sorts of things. And then at an individual level, that story could be about if, you know, if it was Everest, if the goal was to climb Everest, the conflict and the villain could be bad weather that needs to be overcome or doubt, self-doubt that you could do it. If I was talking about one of my case studies, you know, as a public speaking coach, a lot of people have issues with public speaking because of anxiety and doubt. So that fear would be the conflict there. And then we move into the journey. So in most stories, there are two journeys going on. There's the external one where the hero has to deal with the villain, stop the catastrophe, rescue his son, or the internal one, which is the internal flaw that needs to be overcome so that the hero can be transformed. Now, it's said in Hollywood that to evaluate how good a script is for a film, they look at the first page and the last page. And if there isn't a sufficiently discernible transformation of the hero or protagonist or character, then the script is just rejected. And so you need to be thinking about that in relation to your um, story arc or your plot of your presentation or message. So for speakers or a business, this journey, the arc of the story contains all the other elements in very simple terms. What happens in the beginning, the middle and the end. So for example, the journey could be where the company was in terms of sales numbers before any change or learning was implemented and how they implemented that and the results they achieved at the end or how low someone's self-confidence was and how it impacted their life before you started coaching them and the steps they took and how their increased confidence impacted their life after working with you. So those are the four ingredients. But let me see if I can pull them all together for you in like an example, like a case study form, so you can see how all of them come together. 
Simon was working hard in his team leader job at the manufacturing plant with a dream to buy his growing family a bigger home. Simon realised the only way he could afford to make this dream real was by getting promoted to manager. Opportunities had come up, but Simon didn't apply. And his partner, Kate, was noticing that Simon was becoming frustrated and unhappy. Eventually, she asked him about it. And reluctantly, he told her that he hadn't applied because he was terrified of giving presentations. And as a manager, this was something he was going to have to do regularly. He said he'd also told his friend Mark that he wouldn't be his best man because the thought of making that speech made him feel sick. And he also admitted to Kate that he'd never asked her to marry him for the same reason. The next week, Kate saw an advert for the powerful speaker course and she showed Simon and eventually he agreed to give it a go. And he struggled with the course and with his fear and didn't attend a couple of lessons, but he did stick with it in the end. And with coaching and support, his confidence grew to the point that he was doing a presentation in class every week. And that was 12 months ago. And just this week, Simon, now a shift manager, is moving into that bigger home with his new wife, Kate. There you go. Simon's the hero and he's got a fear of public speaking. So his goal is to, you know, get a better life for his family. But his flaw is the fear of public speaking. The conflict comes in all the struggles he had with his confidence and also the embarrassment he had to overcome to admit the issue to his wife and the journey also through the challenges in the course and so on he overcame them all to achieve his goal and conquer his fear with the help of the speaking coach and then you show at the end all the impact it has on his life so now that you can see what these essential story ingredients are see if you can find them in tv adverts programs movies novels presentations you listen to plays etc and there's obviously much much more to storytelling and i'll be covering off the different stages of what is called the hero's journey so that arc in a bit more detail for you in storytelling part two in the meantime check that if you do use stories in your talks or in your copy, your ad copy, or your newsletters, your emails, any communication, that you've got all of those essential storytelling elements present. And that will help you start to engage your audience at the emotional level. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening in again. I really appreciate you taking the time to have a listen to what I've got to say. I hope you enjoyed the show and you picked some useful tips up and if you do please remember to go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I would be so grateful if you could take a couple of minutes just to leave a review on iTunes because it really helps people find the podcast and hopefully if you find it beneficial they will too and if you could tell friends and share on social media that would be absolutely fantastic I will love you forever thanks again for listening Have a great week and don't forget to grab life by the nuts and get cracking. 
Hey, if you're listening to this show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.